Welcome to the Indianola First Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. I'm thankful that all of you are here today physically, and those of you that are online, welcome. So glad you're here to uh, join in with what God is doing in this place and what he's doing in our lives. And, and through this series, this series is just, it's kind of rocked your pastor's world a little bit, which I think is the whole point um, of doing series as, as a pastor. I mean, I, I want to be ministered to as much as you do. And uh, when you really dive into the Word of God and you, you end up camping out on a, on a topic like this, the Sermon on the Mount, for so long, it, it just, it has that effect on, I think, all of us that are diving in together. Um, I think every time you hear symphonic music or stringed music, you're going to think Sermon on the Mount from now on, right? Because we play that video every week. And that's a good thing. I mean, wonderful thing to think about the words of Jesus and, and create those mental uh, 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 leaps, I guess you could say, when we hear things and we think, yeah, that's great. But last week I talked about uh, giving to the needy in secret. And in the life group teachings this last week, Pastor Guy taught on Matthew 6, 5 through 13 when Jesus talked about prayer. And then Jesus gave us an example that has become known as the Lord's Prayer, as you know. As we have seen in these two teachings of Jesus, there's this sort of mini theme that's kind of emerging, uh, or that has emerged a little bit within the Sermon on the Mount here. And it's a theme that says, whatever you are doing as unto the Lord, do it in secret. Don't publicly draw attention to yourself in your giving, in your praying, just to make others aware of how amazing you are, right? Turn to your neighbor and say, you're amazing. <laughs> you should turn the other way so everybody's amazing. Okay, turn the other way to make sure no one's left out. All right, there you go. If you're at home alone, just yell, I'm amazing. Okay, and there you go. But that theme of, of doing things in secret, that, that continues into today's message, and it's taken from the very next verses in Matthew 6, 16 through 18, it says, and when you fast, this is the word of Jesus, he's teaching this right now, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that it, that is the only reward they're ever going to get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. Let's hear it for personal hygiene. Okay. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> Then no one will notice that you are fasting except your Father, who knows what you do in private. Well, there's a whole message in itself, isn't it? God knows what you do in private. And your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. Before we get into the specifics that Jesus gives about fasting here, let's talk about what fasting is and the purpose of it. The original Greek word that is translated fast here is the word nestuo, nestuo. And it is basically just means to abstain from food and drink as a religious exercise. Most of us know what fasting is. We've heard of that before. Nestuo is the word it comes from. Abstaining from food and drink is a religious exercise. To fast from food and drink is to deny your flesh its most basic need. To deny it is the very thing, to deny it the very thing that it craves, the very thing that it desires, that, that's, what it, that's what fasting is. We put our flesh into check. Pastor Donnie just talked about a heart check before we took communion. Fasting is a flesh check. It's a flesh check. 
It puts our flesh into check, and, it, and just follow me here. We are body, soul, spirit, right? We are body, soul, spirit, right? I'm going to do that one more time, just to know that you're awake this morning. Because how many knew it was really easy to sleep in today with the pitter-patter of the calm rain? We are body, soul, and spirit. Amen? Hallelujah. We are. That's how we're made. We're a triune being. Our spirit is that part of us, follow me, listen to this, that connects with God. It's that part of us that connects with God. It's also the part that becomes born again when we are saved. Our soul, that was our spirit, our soul is made up of our mind, our will, and our emotions. It's that part of us that makes us who we are, our personality and such. Our body, hit your body, not not too hard. Your body is your shell, it's the shell that you live in, it's our flesh. And when you think about it, our spirit and soul are the parts of us that will exist for all eternity. Whether that is in heaven, which is eternal life, or in hell, which is eternal death, our soul and spirit is going to last forever. But our body will not. This thing will not. Our flesh will not. And when you think about that, it's amazing that most of us find ourselves living our lives to appease everything our flesh desires while giving the desires of our spirit and our soul second place in our lives. When we become born again, our spirit's longing for God, it just, it, it'll increase, it begins to increase. You'll want God more and more. That part of us, it'll long for his presence, it'll long to be in his word, and even long to be with his people. Our flesh usually just wants what it wants when it wants it. And of course, there are some obvious bodily urges and inner desires that are God-created and God-designed to help us fulfill all that he has purposed us to do in this life. We get hungry, for instance, so that we will remember to nourish our bodies, right? We get thirsty so that we will remain hydrated, which most of us need to work on. When we get overheated, we seek air conditioning. When we get really cold, we seek the the heat. These are bodily urges that we all have, that our flesh tells us to do something, and and, and they're there to act as protection for us. Even our attractions to those of the opposite sex, this is God's design for the purpose of entering into marriage, which he desires for many people, not all people, but many people, And within that marriage relationship, that attraction to your spouse is God-given for the purpose of having children, for procreation, and even just continuing in your relationship as the two becoming one. We have bodily urges that are God-given and they're there for a reason, that's what I'm saying. But my point is, there are many bodily urges or desires that we have that maybe aren't from God. We take those bodily urges or desires that we have and that that have a purpose in our lives, and as long as those urges and desires are carried out according to his word, they they are not only beneficial to us, but they are enjoyable, but then there comes something of these over desires, these wants and desires that go beyond what we normally need. Our flesh, which is always a glutton, meaning it always wants more and more of what it desires, it's never satisfied. 
Our flesh will always try to move over into the driver's seat of our life. And as we feed those urges, especially in non-biblical ways, we give power to the flesh and it begins to rule over us. Again, our flesh, which is the only part of us that's not going to last forever, takes over and is in the driver's seat. That doesn't make sense, does it? It shouldn't be that way, but it often is. The flesh starts calling shots in our life, calling all the shots in some cases. We become controlled by it, and it leads us to places of sin. And as it's been said so many times, sin will always take you further than you want to go and cost you more than you want to pay. Why do we let our flesh dictate to our spirit and our soul what we are going to do, how we're going to live, the decisions we make? I I saw this kid in the checkout line one time, and he wanted a candy bar real bad. He said to his mom, give me a candy bar. I want a candy bar. Just like that. It wasn't, can I please have a candy bar? Give me a candy bar. Just barked at her. To which his mom replied, not today. So the kid starts screaming and kicking and throwing a tantrum and telling his mom he hates her, screaming, and the kid was about four or five years old. I'm sitting here watching this. The mom tried to ignore him and was just quickly paying the cashier when the, when the kid got totally silent. And she looked over at him, and, and, and I did too. I was just kind of looked up and said, what, why did he go silent? Here he had reached out and he grabbed a candy bar, and he was holding it with a big smile on his face. Then his mom said to him, I told you not today. I told you not today. A little more forceful. And she tried to take it from him, and in the process of pulling it out of his kung fu grip, the candy bar got messed up, and she had ended up having to pay for it. I want you to think, just real quickly, of the last time your flesh was demanding something from you that was beyond your normal needs or God-designed desires. Just think about that for a second. It wanted something bad, and it begged you for it. It's kind of like that kid kicking and screaming. I want a candy bar. Give me what I want. I don't know about you, but when that child started up with this tantrum, it took everything within me not to say something to that kid. Even if just to help the mom who seemed completely overwhelmed by the situation. And most of you understand what I'm talking about and would feel kind of the same way, but when our flesh does the same thing as that kid, when it starts kicking and screaming, demanding that it gets what it wants, when it wants it, What do we do about it? Do we just give in? Do we give in without even putting up a fight? Why is our flesh that is here today and gone tomorrow, why is our flesh, why why do we allow it to be in charge and in control? And let me say this, when your flesh is in control, your soul, which is your, again, your mind, will, and emotions, will go along for the ride and eventually will become corrupted by the desires of the flesh. That's what happens. The flesh takes over, it gets in control, and then your soul goes along for the ride, your mind, will, and emotions. Think about it. Your mind can become damaged because of the addictions your flesh created. Your will, your free will, that gift that God gave you to choose right from wrong, it becomes dull in its ability to make good decisions when your flesh is always having its way. So much, in fact, that you become callous to the very sin that your flesh gets you into. Your emotions become messed up and dysfunctional as your flesh creates chaos and drama with everything it wants. 
and demands. And in the same way, when your spirit man, that part of you that connects with God, when that is in the driver's seat, your soul, your mind, will, and emotions, it again comes along for the ride. Your mind will be renewed as your spirit craves the word of God and devours it. Your will will choose, will, to, to choose will consistently desire righteous choices. Because your spirit has led you to spend so much time with God that you begin to take on his heart. You start doing what he would do, thinking like he would think. Your emotions begin to function the way God intended because your spirit will lead you to the Holy Spirit who will guide you into all truth. So again, when we fast, we are putting our flesh in check. We are essentially telling our flesh, no, you are not in charge of me. You are not in control. Hey, flesh, that part of me that's going to be here today and gone tomorrow, the part that's not going to live forever, you're not in charge of me. Doesn't it make sense to put those things, those parts of you that are going to last forever in charge? Namely, your spirit man, your soul will come along for the ride. Doesn't that make sense to you? When you're going to live forever. In our scripture this morning, Jesus was referring specifically to food. But in staying in the vein of his previous teachings, the spirit of the law versus the letter of law, I propose to you that fasting food is, is extremely important and profitable, but fasting other things that our flesh has over desires for is advantageous to us as well. In fact, we could start practicing fasting if we started practicing fasting as a flesh check instead of just another religious exercise that we engage in to check the box, we would find out how powerful it truly is. We would uh, realize pretty quickly how often we let the flesh determine our directions in life, the steps we take, the choices we make, that kind of thing. Fasting is a flesh check. It's priority practice, if you will. It is talked about often in scriptures and was practiced for different purposes, all of which were a part of, of seeking God. Uh, just a couple examples. Acts 13, 2. While they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. They were seeking God for the next strategic move to grow the kingdom. So they were serving or, or ministering, it's the same word, to the Lord, and they were fasting, it says, and the Holy Spirit spoke to them very specifically about what to do. When you're strategizing about how to build the kingdom, it's a good idea to add fasting to your prayer. There's an example of it right there in Acts. Acts 14, 23, when they had appointed elders from them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. They prayed and fasted before appointing elders and leaders, overseers, pastors, presbyters. All of those are the same word. They fasted in appointing them. Luke 2, 36 through 38. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, serving night and day with fastings and prayers. At that very moment, she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of him to all those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. So th that, was, that was prior to, to Jesus dying on the cross, and so they were still under somewhat of the old covenant, even though the new had come. And she was spending all of her time in, in the temple, which is 
the same or congruent in our day to spending all of our time in the presence of God, spending time with him in his presence. And she was fasting. It's obvious that she made fasting a part of her day, today relationship with him. She, she did it regularly. It says, and she practiced fastings. Not fa- she fasted, she practiced fastings. That means she did it more than once. And it's not by chance that she had a special ability to see with spiritual eyes. She never again left the temple and remained in his presence, and she knew who Jesus was even as a child when he came in the door. She knew. Mark 9, 20 through 29, this is all through Scripture. You see this fasting thing. Then they brought him, they brought him to him. This was a, a, a demon-possessed um, a man. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him. And he fell on the ground and, and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has, Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown in, him both, the spirit, he's talking about he, has not the Holy Spirit, the evil spirit within him, has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you to come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him, and he became as one dead. Talking about the boy. So that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast that demon out? Because they had prayed previously to this for this young boy to be freed from this demonic control. And Jesus said, so he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. There's a deeper spiritual authority that is gained when we fast. It's not because we earn it by denying our bodies or our flesh. It's that by denying our flesh, we gain greater insight into spiritual things. We see things more clearly, spiritually speaking. That's what fasting does. It checks our flesh to the point where we can see clearly, spiritually speaking. If there's anything, church, that we need in this day and time, in this hour, it's to see clearly, spiritually. And most of us in here haven't fasted in years. It's a tool that God has given us that we just kind of leave on the shelf and we don't take advantage of. And yet over and over and over and over and over again in Scripture, you see that it was practiced. There's anything else that we just decide not to practice that the Scripture tells us to practice. Fasting doesn't earn you points with God. I want to make that clear. It just, it just puts your flesh in check. It gets your priorities in order. You can hear God more clearly when, you're fat, when your flesh is not kicking and screaming and you know, yelling for what it wants, demanding it. When you fast, you are essentially, and you can write this down, renouncing the natural to invoke the supernatural to take place in your life. I don't want the flesh and all of its over-desires to just naturally be in control. I want and desire the supernatural in my life. Are you with me? Do you want to see the supernatural in your life? Do you want to see the supernatural in your life? 
I mean, I could hear the people at home louder than I could hear you. I want the supernatural in my life. I hope you do too. Fasting renounces the natural to invoke the supernatural. The supernatural is that which is beyond the natural. The supernatural supersedes the natural. That's why it's called supernatural. And it's sad that the church of Jesus Christ, who serves a supernatural God, often finds itself operating in the natural. If all you do is that which comes natural to you, God's not impressed. He's looking for faith in his people, faith to move mountains, faith to lay hands on the sick and see them recovered, faith to walk according to his plans and purposes for your life without fear. Supernatural. When Jesus talks about fasting in the Sermon on the Mount, he teaches us some important things about fasting. First of all, he, he says when you fast, not if you fast. He says when, again, it challenges us because we're supposed to be doing it, right? And this means that Jesus expected believers to fast. It wasn't really an optional thing for believers. When is the last time you fasted? No condemnation here this morning, but if, if you don't need to use God's designed flesh checker, fasting, it's gotta be because you're already incredibly sensitive to the voice of God and your flesh never gives you any trouble. And if that's you, I wanna know your secret. Because I, I, my flesh still kicks and screams sometimes when it wants what it wants. And you put your foot down and say, no, I'm not letting you be in control. I'm just not gonna allow it. And if you're saying, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good in this area of the, let me remind you that Jesus fasted regularly. And if the Son of God needed to fast, how much more do we need to? Secondly, Jesus says, don't use your fasting as a way to display your superior spirituality. It's something he taught in our scripture. It's the theme I talked about at the beginning of the message, that theme of not drawing attention to yourself in the things you do for Jesus, be it giving, be it praying, be it worshiping or fasting. Trying to practice these things in a public way just to make others aware of how amazing you are defeats the purpose of practicing them in the first place. Thirdly, Jesus taught very clearly here that those who fast with a right heart will be rewarded openly. This reward comes through tangible blessings in your life. It could play out in many different ways, but the word of God, Jesus' words, they're very clear. What you do in private, the Lord will reward you openly for. I don't know, I want some of that. Do you want some of that? And this morning, I could get into different kinds of fasts that are mentioned in the Bible, partial fast, 40-day fast, and annual fast, and we could start dissecting them, and what does that mean, and how do we do it? But instead of getting all hung up on sorting these all out, I, I want to go right to the heart and ask the question, does your flesh need to be checked? Do your priorities need to get or at least stay in order? And if they do, then fasting is a key for you. You should practice it. I challenge you to start fasting. Start slow and let it grow. Skip a meal and pray and seek God instead of eating. See what happens. You might want to try a whole day at some point. If you do, make sure that during those times that you would normally eat, pray and seek God instead. You're, you're, you're replacing feeding your flesh with feeding your spirit. And your soul will come along for the ride. When you do this, 
You are denying your flesh, its food, and feeding your spirit what it desires. That's how you stop the flesh's control. You just stop feeding it. You feed the spirit instead of the flesh. When you do, your spirit will remain in control. And I don't know about you, but that part of me that connects with God, I want him to be in control of my life. I want that part of my being to be in control and in the driver's seat. Because when that part uh, is in the driver's seat, that, that part longs for God, and, it, and, and when it's in control, God will eventually be in control, right? Because the Spirit just wants God. The part of us, the Spirit, our Spirit. I need to say this, of course. You, you need to know your body, and if you have blood sugar issues or health concerns, you need to be extremely careful and may even want to check with your doctor about how to fast safely. And, and, and let me say this, if you're addicted to social media or video games or phone games, you know, we always rip on the kids for being addicted to uh, video games, and then us as parents, we sit there and we're like, I've got to save more pandas. <laughs> Candy Crush. Am I, am I telling the truth? Sometimes for hours on end. Oh, I was watching television while I was playing this. The whole family sits in the living room. Everybody plays their games. Could be video games, phone games, movies, television, 24-hour news. I think most of us have gotten off of that. Music could be that. Or even things like exercising. People can get addicted to those things. Or playing sports. Hunting or any activities that are taking over your life from time to time. Boy, I think I hit everybody there, didn't I? But those things aside, uh, put those things aside and, and spend that time seeking God. If those things are starting to take over, and I, I'm not saying that those things are horrible in and of themselves, it just can, they can just easily take over, though. We enjoy it. I know people who run and, and, and they get all these endorphins and they feel good when they run and it's good for them, it's healthy, but then they overdo it. And it becomes almost their God. Don't let that happen. This is where fasting becomes our priority check. And I'm just going to steal from Nike this morning and say, just do it. Identify possible strongholds in your life, then fast from the very thing that's causing those or connected to those. Food can always be a go-to in our practicing fasting because it's so essential to our flesh. The Bible presents fasting as something that is good, profitable, and beneficial, and the benefits are across the board, physical, mental, and spiritually speaking. It's beneficial. It's so practical, and the more I study the Word of God, the more I appreciate how practical it is. It's just so practical and down to earth. If you need a flesh check, I'm just going to make it really simple, if you need a flesh check, if you need a priority readjustment or a check to make sure they're right, here's a great tool, fasting. When we renounce what our flesh naturally desires and, and, and seek God instead, we open the door or invoke the supernatural to take place in our lives. And believers who, who, who don't practice fasting on a regular basis will find themselves powerless in their Christian walks. I know that sounds pretty harsh, but do you really want me to play patty cake with you this morning or do you want me to tell you the truth? I mean, this... It's all over the word. I, we've talked about it as staff before, pastoral staff. I mean, why doesn't the church, you, know, you never hear about fasting, do you? But you hear about prayer all the time. And they're mentioned all the time together. Yeah, we're Americans. We like to be fat and satisfied. 
Fasting? Eh. I'm living in the blessing of God. I don't have to say no. He's given me this stuff so I can just enjoy it. Yeah. I'm blessed. Where's that line? Where's that line when our flesh has snuck in there and taken over and jumped in the driver's seat and our spirit, our spirit man, just isn't in control anymore? And then we live our lives and we're all about appeasing the flesh. Man, fasting will just put it in order so quickly. So quickly. Prayers, yes. We have all prayed, I'm sure. But I would venture to say that many have never fasted. And maybe they have never been taught the importance of it. So here you go. Now you're, now you're accountable. I'm going to end with this comparison this morning. If you consistently eat right and exercise regularly, you will eventually become fit. You can't out-exercise a bad diet. That, that's, that's been proven many times. And you can't have such an amazing diet that you can out-eat a no-exercise life. You have to have both. The two go hand in hand, and both are required to reach your optimum health. Reading the Word of God is amazing. It doesn't return void, but many people have read the Bible from cover to cover and have not understood it. When you consistently practice your faith with fasting and prayers, you will eventually become spiritually fit. That spirit part of your being can't help but become strong and more in sync with the Holy Spirit when you feed it the Word of God and then exercise it with fasting and prayers. A little bit of a comparison there. I don't want to be like the hypocrites and tell everyone about my fasting. But let me say this. I don't fast enough. And I want to challenge us all today as a church, especially with our outreach happening Saturday night. Guys, this thing we do, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Like, well, it's just giving candy to kids. It's not, the, it's not the gospel. Are you kidding me? Do you know what our kids' ministry does in this church? How it affects literally hundreds of kids, between kids and youth in our community? Not just our kids, but outside kids. We're loving on them, and we're showing their families and their friends and everybody in our community that we do love people. I don't think you have to cram Jesus down people's throats in order to share the gospel. I think we can be so attractive as caring, loving people that people will come to us and say, what is it about you? And then you can talk to them all day long because you've earned the right to say something. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. It's just the way it is. That's why we're doing it. Catch the vision of that. And even fast about it. We need perfect weather. Who's willing to fast that we have perfect weather? I mean, I am. I saw one hand go up. You, is there more? Well, I don't know if I want to fast. Fast one meal. It does the body good. Fast a meal. Fast a few meals. Fast a whole day. Something that's taking all of your time and causing priority issues. Whatever you and God decide how and when and what you need to fast this week, just do it. Put it on hold and begin to pray. Maybe it's not food. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's television for the week. 
Ooh, that would, that would be awesome, wouldn't it? Let's put these words of Jesus into action and just see what will transpire. And as you deny the flesh what it wants, don't forget to feed your spirit when it, and what it hungers and thirsts for. Then make note of what happens as a result. This is a real, I'm laying it down kind of challenge. Take this week and find some way to fast. If you're willing to do that, be careful what I say. Sometimes my mind thinks things to say and I shouldn't say them and sometimes I do and sometimes I do what I just did. I just stop myself. Probably because I fasted. If you're willing to fast this week and step into this thing that Jesus talked about and acted like it was just common, common practice for the Christian, would you stand to your feet? And don't stand up if you're not going to do it. You ain't going to have no liars in church. I hate it when my flesh is in control because it never turns out good. But I love it when I give my spirit man everything at once, God's presence, his word. My spirit man comes alive when I play and sing and praise God with worship, with song. I, I love to do that in my private prayer time. Feed that spirit man within us. My soul comes along for the ride and everything, get, everything starts lining up priority-wise. Pray about it. I'm not going to tell you how to fast. You know what you need to do. But I'm going to ask Pastor Donnie to come up and close us in prayer. Let's just love Pastor Donnie. All right, let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, we come, God. We just thank you for this wonderful day, God, that we come into your house and we get to worship you and we get to hear your word, Lord. Um, and God, I just ask that you would just help us to... Um, get our flesh under control this week, Lord, that we would just uh, feed our spirit and feed our spirit and feed our spirit, Lord, and that we would just um, be this spiritual giant that walks through uh, these towns, this, this town and surrounding towns, Lord. And God, I just thank you um, that we get to uh, spread your word, Lord. And I just ask that as we go from today, we'll take this challenge and we'll run with it, Lord, and we'll just see great and mighty things done in your name. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.